Many of Barton Mallow's projects are built on campuses, in downtowns, or on land that's been designated for redevelopment. Many, but not all. In some unique cases, our project teams have mobilized to undeveloped areas, and when this happens, there's a chance they may uncover historical artifacts or cultural finds once they get started with land clearing. It's happened on a few of our recent projects. Utilizing goats to clear vegetation on a steep hillside to save on manpower and ensure safety. We've done that. Watching a world-renowned architect crumble up a piece of paper and tell you that's how they want their building to be designed? We've been there too. Ever envision a brick-laying robot or material lift unit assisting laborers with building? It's happening now on our job sites. Every project has a great story, and our team members have more than a few to tell throughout Barton Mellow's 100 years of business that don't fit the usual industry coverage. I'm Rob Riley. And I'm Eric Fish. We're both Barton Mallow team members and the hosts of this podcast. And we're going to be bringing you the untold stories from the job site. It's construction, but it's said differently. Archaeological discoveries have been the case at an in-progress solar project in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, by one of our Alltrade teams. Alltrade is a division of Bart Mallow Company. It was also the case years ago when our Virginia team was building the Virginia Institute of Marine Science at Gloucester Point. More on that one later. For now, let's kick things off with Alltrade project manager Mike Jeske and the findings on the Scottford Solar Project. The Scottford Solar Project is one of our uh, projects up in Alberta, Canada. It's a little bit farther north than than most of the solar projects in in Alberta, but that's uh, because it's co-located on a shell adjacent to a shell gas plant. And this so this project's fairly unique in that it's one of the or it is the largest Canadian behind the meter project. And what I mean by behind the meter is that 100% of the power that we're generating on the solar farm is being consumed directly on site, and it's offsetting Shell's desire or need for taking power from the grid. The other unique part of this project is that we're we're located right along one of the largest uh, largest tributaries in in the area, the North Saskatchewan River. And at the outset of the project, we were we were notified that we're there was a high likelihood that we were going to find one of two things: either an old indigenous encampment or some dinosaur bones. So for this project, and when we were doing our cut fill and our excavation for roads and trenching. Uh, we had to have an environmental monitoring company paired one to one with every every operator of every excavator and grading machine on site, and that environmental monitor had the ability to to kind of stop uh, stop work and had a radio contact in with the operator of that machine. Uh, if they didn't like the way the ground looked or there was something suspicious, they had the ability to stop uh, stop that operator and and take a, a further deeper dive into into the, the land that's being. We actually had a situation where we found about five percent of our site had to be shut down for a good period. We we actually found an old indigenous encampment on site, and some of the stuff they found was uh, was pretty interesting. How many times were they stopping you guys in the process of work before? You- you actually ended up finding some of this stuff. The entire site wasn't subject to kind of Alberta culture's inspection requirements. So it's more of a tiered section that was closer to the river that was uh, that was subject to all these inspections. Most of the work continued on site unencumbered, but it was it was the the tiered section that was closer to the river that we had to really have um, you know scrutinous monitoring on, and that that made up about twenty percent of the the overall site. The artifact find that they did uncover ended up shutting down uh, uh, about five percent of our site for three month period. Now, how did they have an inclination that you guys were bound to find something up there? I think it's a combination of a couple of things. It's kind of the 
geographic location and being close to a tributary. Uh, indigenous tribes used to uh, use kind of waterways as, as, as travel pathways for fishing and trade and stuff like that. So we there, there was a high likelihood just being adjacent to a tributary like that, that we were going to find something. And then before All Trade even got involved in the project, as part of the development, our owner, Silicon Ranch, had gone through and done some original testing and, and monitoring of the site and, and uncovered, not necessarily uncovered, but uh, I think through that work, they identified this as a highly like high likelihood of you know finding one of those two things I mentioned before, an indigenous encampment or, or dinosaur bones. So can you describe some of the items that were uncovered? Once they found something in software machinery, it's kind of like a traditional archaeological dig, you know, grid grid searches and, and grid digs and, and, you know, meter by meter square down to a certain depth. And I think the type of soil that they were looking at, um, I mean, I'm, I'm no expert, but uh, it, it was indicative of, of a find. And yeah, they ended up uh, they ended up finding, you know, some, some charred bone on site and then some, some stones that uh, were, you know, visibly flaked off to um, with a larger tooling stone to, to make kind of what uh, looked like arrowheads and, and or spear tips. So yeah, that was, that was most of what they found. Um, again, hard with an untrained eye to, to identify these things. They look mostly like stones, but um, upon closer examination, yeah, it certainly looks like um, you, you can visibly see uh, that, that a stone was flaked or hit with a, a larger a larger tool and uh, and it kind of formed into into the shape that uh, they needed for, for weapons. It would have been cool if you had found dinosaur bones or, or something from, from that era. Can, can you talk a, a little bit about that hypothetically, if it was something of, you know, from the prehistoric era? Yeah, I remember during um, during our contract negotiations, we had to very specifically write in some force majeure event and and come up with the language paleontological surveying. I don't know if I can speak to the the full duration of, of uh, how long that would have shut us down. I, I was pretty not scared at the beginning. It was it was exciting, and uh, I was just more or less we were under a tight timeline to deliver this project as it was, and um, I was just you know apprehensive of you know finding something and, and potentially getting shut down for uh, who knows a year or two years uh, while they while they complete their excavation. But yeah, certainly an exciting thing to to think about coming across on on a project like this. Very cool. So. Three months you were delayed. How did that impact the schedule? How did the team catch up? Um, what was that process like? Luckily, that that section that was was shut down was kind of on the western boundary of our array, so it was it was actually a pretty easy easy to work around. We you know roped off the area, and luckily it didn't impact any of our roads, or it wasn't directly in the middle of like a big array section where we kind of had to like install right up to the boundaries. So in in that sense, it, it was it was it was easy to kind of work around that. But the one thing that it did impact is is the area that was shut down was an area where we had to take a lot of on-site oral material. So there's a lot of cut fill in that area, and that fill was expected to be used in other areas on site. So one of the challenges we had was we either had to a bring in off-site fill material, which would have been incredibly expensive, or the the second option was to find an area on site where we could, uh, that was outside of the array sections where we could find some borrow material to complete the fill while that area was shut down. So we ended up finding, um, luckily the site tiered in such a way that like there was, there was an existing hill that we weren't building on and that we were able to cut uh, a significant chunk of that hill and, and reclaim some of that borrow material. So ended up being about a 150 
$175,000 in additional cost. But again, that was something that was covered under under a change order just due to the nature of the uh, of the artifact fine and, and kind of like fell into unknown site condition type clause in our contract. What's the status of the project site right now? So we we received clearance to go back into that area at I think mid August, um, and now we are we are complete all of uh, our piling, racking, and electrical work, and we're just wrapping up some of our final testing, and then fully commission the site and hit substantial completion by uh, by April 2024. You know, I guess just lastly, with some of the projects that are perceived to be in the pipeline or that are currently in the pipeline, do you anticipate potential? Challenges similar to the, to the one on Scottford with uh, historical archaeological sites. It's hard to say uh, one way or the other. Uh, I mean, Alberta is known for uh, oil and gas primarily, and um, anywhere you go, there could be abandoned wells in the ground. There could be pipelines running underneath. There are some locations you're more likely to find a paleontological find. So I, I don't I don't think it's unique to to Stockford site. Uh, I, I think there's there's always that risk of or there's that chance of finding something in the ground that that wasn't expected at the outset of the project. But um, buried pipelines and and old wellheads, we can we can kind of catch those on surveys. But it's those those other things that are in the ground that um, they come as a bit of a surprise when you're when you're starting construction. Situated on the banks of the York River, the Virginia Institute of Marine Science at Gloucester Point is an area rich in history. The Battle of Yorktown in the Revolutionary War was literally fought right across the river and the site also saw action during the Civil War. This required an intensive archaeological dig prolonging the start of construction. But what was discovered is what still makes the project stand out for senior project manager Jim Drosky. So the Virginia Institute of Marine Science, specifically the Davis Hall is what they ended up naming it. It was a consolidated scientific research facility which gathered groups from who had homes kind of around campus in a new facility. It included a lot of office space, and some labs, kitchenettes, a new uh, server room for the campus, and uh, conference spaces as well. We had started that project right about the time that I started work um, in 2014, uh, initially with some pre-construction help and some budget reconciliation, but the project didn't start until fall of 2016. What makes this project somewhat unique is its location and its potential for maybe finding some interesting things there based on things that happened a long time ago around that, uh, around that area. It's located on, uh, Gloucester Point, which is in southeast Virginia. It's situated um, right on the York River where it feeds into the Chesapeake Bay. And uh, right across the river is Yorktown, which is obviously a historic site with this, uh, with our country's history. Big battle there in the uh, fight for independence, from what I recall. Yeah, this site has a lot of history from both the uh, Revolutionary War period and the Civil War period. So going into this project, did you guys know that there was the potential that you might find some historical artifacts. We did. Some of these historic sites have kind of survey records already on file um, that gives them a, a hint of what might be there. The client had also had the uh, the archaeologists, the Fairfield Foundation. They have them um, begin work in the spring, as early as the spring of. 2016. So, you know, way uh, earlier ahead in the year where they started essentially clearing the ground where the building footprint was going to be. And they got a good head start on us. 
So what was like the excavation process, the early days of the project when when there was the potential that there might be some historical artifacts here? Yeah, in the early part, we cooperated uh, very closely with, with the client's archaeologists and helped them by essentially excavating areas twice. So we would scrape the, the topsoil and sod off of the, uh, the ground you know, where we were going to excavate for either the, uh, the building footprint, footings, utility, trenches. We had a seawater line utility that we had to relocate that was serving an adjacent space and um, electrical duct banks. And so we would pre-excavate, uh, which is basically getting it down to the, the layer that shows any potential sites for the archaeologists to investigate. And then the archaeologists would go through and do their thing. Sometimes it would take a day or two. It depends on how much was there. Sometimes it would take you know weeks to, to clear an area. After they had cleared the area, then we would excavate as normal and get our work in place. Obviously, there were things that, that were found at the site. Can you uh, share any more information about some of those uh, artifacts? Yeah, I was uh, I was reminded earlier today that they had actually found cannonballs um, on site. They had to um, have the, the U.S. Navy's explosive ordnance disposal, kind of take those off site and, and take care of them. And then we also found a, a lot of oyster shell burials and animal bone burials in, I guess what you'd call it, like trash pits from, from back in the day. And some of these oysters were bigger than your, your hand, which you don't really see anymore nowadays. So that was an interesting find. When they started archaeology back in uh, early 2016, they had found a lot of, you know, one-off items, buttons, um, a pocket knife, coins, various tools, and, and that kind of thing. But one of the biggest things they found was in a cellar uh, that was going through one of our utility corridors. This cellar had a lot of personal effects. Most importantly, they found a, uh, a trunk nameplate. Uh, it was engraved with Lieutenant Dixon, 80th Regiment. And so they were very excited to find something that had a name on it, both with being able to date it, and it, it dated to the Revolutionary War period, but also finding you know who, who this person was. And it turned out that Lieutenant Dixon had ancestors living in Greensboro, North Carolina. One of those ancestors came out to Gloucester Point just to meet the archaeologists and be able to uh, to hold that nameplate, and that was uh, that was pretty cool. I have to imagine with the the extra attention, there was a delay that was associated with this. Can you just talk a little bit about how far behind maybe this put the project and and how that forced the team to pivot? I think that we were able to come to an agreement with the with the owner and still make things happen. A lot of times where it was something like utility work, we would change the sequence of when that was done if it was slowed down. The biggest thing that it was requiring additional labor from our from our site contractor, first and foremost, is between the site contractor and the concrete contractor. So thankfully we were able to proceed a lot with the uh, with building while some of these utility areas were straightened out with the archaeology. So I do believe that there was a portion of uh, delay. I don't recall what that was. You personally, being newer to Barton Mallow at the time that you worked on this job, what was your whole take on, on these findings and, and, and just the experience? 
No, it was, uh, it was neat. It was, it's not, you know, I have not since done anything like that. Uh, worked on a project that had that kind of historical significance. To me, that seemed like it was a unique opportunity that not everybody gets um, gets to have. I know that it was, you know, at the time <laughs> we're, when we're on the job site, we're thinking about schedule, we're thinking about costs. It seems like an inconvenience. It's easier to look back and recall with uh, with a little more fondness of, of how neat that was and the discoveries and just seeing the excitement that some of the archaeologists were having at what they were doing. That was cool. You know, I guess just lastly, what uh, what is the building like now? What what it was sort of the feedback when it was finished, and you know, what is it used for primarily these days? Yeah, um, I mean, it's used to house some of the grant research uh, groups. It actually, after we'd finished it, we had gotten an award of merit from the ENR um, best regional project for a higher education facility. So it was a, it was a really neat project. It had a lot of emphasis on the landscaping and the stormwater management. It got a, uh, a LEED Gold certification, and uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've been in that area, but um, I'd like to go visit it and see how things have have grown up around it and how they've used that space. We followed up with the Fairfield Foundation, the firm that conducted the archaeological investigation, after recording this episode for an update on the artifacts recovered from the site. The cannonball recovered has since been safely destroyed, but there's a bit of mystery as to what era it came from. Fairfield Foundation co-director Dave Brown said it was found in a Civil War era deposit, but it could have been redeposited from the Revolutionary War. Dave said the ordinance found in the cannonball was common during both eras. He also noted how the nameplate discovered was one of the most interesting and unique discoveries that they've ever been involved with. That's all for this episode of Said Differently. Thanks to Mike and Jim for joining us. And be sure to check out our sister podcast, Said Differently, Beyond the Build. We'll catch you back here soon for more of the stories from the job site. This is Said Differently, a Barton Mallow podcast. For more information about the discoveries found at Gloucester Point, visit fairfieldfoundation.org. This is said differently.